Welcome to the Nerdaplexy Spooky or Spoopy Movie Review Show. In this series, we normally break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. But now is the time for a festival of fright. I'm not going to do the rest of that. You've heard it a couple of times, right? We're going to watch five movies and ask the question. Are they spooky or spoopy? Joining me on this terrifying journey is my longtime fiend and the uh, hellraiser to my puzzle box. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's Clive Barker, baby. It's Sam. I think science is cool. I dig it, man. And since this is a supernatural special edition, we also have the frighteningly funny face of Dave with us. It's Dave. Wait, am I in or what? So sit back, relax, and grab your grab your Wolfman Nards as we dive into Monster Squad. Ow! Never enough wolf sound effects in these. There's a couple of good ones. I did notice. I did notice a couple of good howls um, around the Wolfman stuff. This movie was released August 14th on your boy's birthday. I was uh, uh, four years old on this very day. Heck yeah! Directed by returning director. Fred Decker. For our Double Decker, co-written by his buddy Shane Black, writer of Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. For a Black and Decker. Oh, there you go. Wow. This is certainly a Shane Black movie. Eight minutes deep into the movie, you know it's a Shane Black. But this movie stars Andre Gower, Robbie Kiger, and Stephen Mocked as Sean's dad. Okay, so this is a TriStar pick. Super excited about that. This opening, speaking of Shane Black, he wrote a prelude, which is Van Helsing attacking the castle. But in his original draft, there's a whole army and zeppelins. Hell yeah. That would have been so cool, but I'm guessing it was a budget problem. Fred Decker said, yeah, this is great, but this would cost the entire budget of the movie. So they scaled it back a little bit. They (laughs) scaled back the raid. Big fan of the Zeppelins, though. For something that would ultimately have ended in They Blew It, I think that would have been a lot of money for them. They blew it. It starts with that crawl about Van Helsing trying to banish these bad boys, and they blew it. They blew it. That was a great little opening bit. But yeah, so we see the failed raid. There's a couple of guys. They got some horses. They got a pretty cool matte painting of a Dracula castle. I like the matte painting backgrounds. I wish they still did that. I mean, honestly, it's fine. I can suspend his belief for that kind of stuff. I know that that's not really the Swiss Alps, but I can still enjoy Sound of Music or whatever. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's not. Well, anyway. It is, but it's also not. a presumable virgin trying to read this thing to get this vortex to pull in the bad boys. And there's a dude screaming in her ear. Like, <laughs> read better. <laughs> read better, go faster. That's the most distracting thing ever. That how sucks can you so read, much. <laughs> how can you read anything while this dude is screaming in your ear? And I thought, they're not going to screw that up and do it again at the end of the movie. And they do. Spoiler alert, whenever they finally have to do this again, people are just badgering the people that are trying to read this thing. It's in a different language at that point. Van Helsing is yelling at a young woman who is trying to do a spell over a shining gem. I just want to bring up, Van Helsing establishing his bona fides in the opening moments 
where he walks in and there's a vampire lady and he just narks her with that steak crossbow. He's dealt with a Dracula in his day. <laughs> yeah, I just like they set up. Speaking of effects, you know, there's a matte painting, but that vortex looks pretty cool. A couple of things where I'm, I scratch my head over, but not too bad. In most cases, I was like, yeah, that, I mean, that looks as realistic as this kind of thing can look. That vortex, you get a little bit of that kid flying through the air stuff that we saw in the gate here. Yes. As the young lady gets... That virgin gets yeeted. <laughs> Van Helsing gets sucked into the portal. So they blew it. We know that going in. So like we understand that they blew it. But what the, what what went wrong? Is it because Van Helsing was screaming at her? Why did they get sucked into the portal? Was there any kind of indication did you guys see? I don't know how they blew it. Unclear, but the only thing that is made clear in black and white is that they did, in fact, blow it. It has been blown, for sure. So, yeah, that's the whole prologue. It's over. It's done. Present day. I love that from 80s movies. So now we're in 80s. We're in uh, America, Canada. Unclear, but North America, certainly. Uh, (laughs) So these two guys get in trouble for drawing pictures of monsters in their science class something by the principal is yelling at them they doodled monsters that's like an offense that gets you into the principal's office and the pictures weren't even that bad it's not like the monsters had we need to have a talk with your parents these pictures are very pornographic in nature their science teacher was talking and probably asked them a question so they didn't know the answer because they were doodling spider-man which was just a spider with a man's head Well, he eats woodland creatures. That's pretty clear. And they also kind of make it clear that these guys are kind of shitheads, too. Andre Gower and his best bud, played by Roger Kiger. So Sean and Patrick, they were actual best friends in real life. That's kind of cool. They don't want to pay attention to the science teacher because she got a cat head. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, which apparently is a reference to a movie, The Cat People, but... It just seems weird because they get let out of the principal's office. They dunk on her. And the one line the kid says, Miss Carlson's a nice teacher and all, but she's boring and has an odd-shaped head. That's why Sean and the guys call me Omix, because her head's shaped like a cat head. But I don't, because how rude. And then they bump into her in the hallway and then, like, dunk on her again and start meowing and stuff. Right in her face. This is why she sent you to the principal's office. This kind of shit right here, guys. We could probably get out of the way, too, that there are several outdated by now transgressions. There will be several in this movie, and I don't know if we need to talk about them anymore. (laughs) Yeah, there are some antiquated slurs that come through. Yeah, it's eight minutes deep, and there's a couple of Fast and Furious Mm -hmm. right up front. And it is, I got really confused at this point because I was eating a sandwich while I was watching it and keeping notes. I was juggling a lot of plates, and... When <laughs> yeah, I was rubbing my belly and patting my head when I watched this movie, so I got you. Right, right. So they cut to an outside scene where there's Horace, who they refer to as Fat Kid, which, come on. Yes, that's another one. You can't really do that one anymore. Oh, even into the 90s. Come on, check out Heavyweights. Yeah, true. But to a very vital point where I think that's one that kind of needs to be in the movie because he's the kid with the biggest arc in Badass Finale, so as to transcend that terrible nickname that he's been given, probably by bullies, but maintained even by his best friends. Yes, his friends mm-hmm. also call him that. Which, you know, that yeah, that's some kind of shit that happens, like, honestly, truthfully. But I got very confused. I thought the kids in the principal's office were the same kids that were now bullying Horace. The brother from Wonder Years, he stomps on... 
Horace's Snickers tries to make him eat it. But Horace is rescued by... By the Fonz. Yes, the 80s of Fonz, Rudy. He's the least cool looking kid I've ever seen. He's sporting a leather jacket with kind of a greaser look, but he's also riding a BMX. Pretty chill. He looks straight yes. out of like the 50s. And then he makes a kid eat a Snickers that got stomped on, which all the kids react to like it was a piece of shit. Well, who knows what was on the bottom of his shoe? It was already out of its so. wrapper when he stepped on it. So th- there's I mean, it's a lot not to great. be worried about. We see Sean and Patrick walking home and they walk by the scary German guy's house. And they're talking a little bit of monster lore. Mm-hmm. Wolfman, whether or not he's got any business down there. And, a uh, wolf dork. Yeah, a wolf dork. Movies, <laughs> yeah, they had to wear pants and so he could cover his wolf dork. Which is kind of accurate. I mean, because like a whale penis. Brings me to my is a dork? parody porner. Oh, I just have a title and it was just be like Monster Dong and that that's, probably that's already all I exists. got. It definitely does. But I mean, this one is more of a quick. theme, thematically appropriate. You just bring in like the Bride of Frankenstein instead of Frankenstein or something. It pretty much writes itself. Call it the Monster Dong Squad. There Monster you go. Dong Squad. Yeah. It's just <laughs> <laughs> but there's no kids in my version. Of course. It's just the monsters. It's just the monsters. There's no kids in my version. Okay. It's just the it's monsters, just and, the they're, monsters. W- and they're Monster Dongs. All of them different. We'll get into yes. all of it. You want to see a real weird one? Wait till Gilman shows up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> He's got a cloaca going on. It'll answer all the questions you had from Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna, to we're solve them. Interestingly enough, the guy who created the Gilman suit is the guy who created the suit for Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Tom Woodruff Jr. Mm-hmm. That suit was crazy well, cool. He, it was all one piece, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's also, he's the, the guy playing the, the monster as well. In Stan Winston's workshop, he had made a life cast of himself. They were like, well, we need to make a, a Gilman. And he was like, Stan, you got to let me be Gilman. You already got the suit. I've got to be Gilman, please. And then he said, yeah, okay, you can be Gilman. There's also a documentary, folks, uh, listening at home, called Wolfman's Got Nards. Yes, hell yes. But they did not explain in the documentary how he would go to the bathroom. So that's what troubled me the most. I think he just went. He had to be like glued into that suit. They do not mention it. So I'm like, mm. he like can't do anything. And the first thing down. they did was put him in water and they were very afraid that it was going to break. No, he pisses and that's it. I have a feeling while he was in the water, that's when he did his bathroom. Yeah, you had to. <laughs> it's bathroom. It's bathroom pond. <laughs> Look, I guarantee you he's sweating so badly in there that it does not matter. But if it's a number two, it does matter. Well, he wasn't well, eating at all either. So he probably didn't eat like the day before he had to film. Well, yeah, that dehydrated too. I imagine it, it won't be an issue. Anyhow, that's how Gilman pees and poops. He doesn't, yeah. <laughs> Todd Woodruff Jr., let us know. Write in nerdaplexy at gmail.com. Or if you've ever been a creature from a lagoon, how did you do your pees and poops? Let us know. Okay. So we cut to an airplane. Oh, and yes. And Richie Priel yes, yes, is, yes. Uh, is the pilot of the airplane. Who's that? He's a character in Sopranos. I don't know his actual name, but he's Richie Priel in The Sopranos. What's this? What's this? It's the jacket. The jacket. The jacket. I took off Rocco DeMeo. I really like those characters, too. Like These are a good couple of guys. I'm into these. I'd watch a movie about these guys. Absolutely. When he says they hear something, the one guy goes back and the other pilot says, I'll stay here and make spooky sounds. I don't know. It's just so funny. It's just such like they definitely, like, they were a couple for sure. Great I would have thought he had nothing to worry about. You know, just, just fly the plane. But he does go back there and lo and behold, there's Draculas. There's mummies. There's every bad thing back Oops. there. 
Bats on your plane. Yeah. Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. Everybody strap in. I'm about to open some freaking windows. This is a very hands-on Dracula. He is not above getting his hands dirty. Dracula's pimp hand is strong. <laughs> he smacks him so good. He gives him the first of many what I've taken to calling Drac slaps. <laughs> <laughs> You got Drax slapped. He Drax slaps this fool across the room. Smackula. Oh, okay. <laughs> the guy gets Drax slapped across the plane, but he pulls the Bombay shoot doors, which they explain because the guy said this, um, an old World War II piece of junk. So anyhow, they drop the Frankenstein box out of the plane and Dracula floats in midair, flips the guy off, turns into a bat and uh, descends into the swamp after his friend. Does he flip him off or just thematically flip him off? Thematically flips him off because he just hovers there. He's like, fuck you. I could eat you right now, but I, you dropped my Frankenstein. So I got to go get this shit. To Dracula's credit, though, he does take the high road. He doesn't kill anybody in this movie, I don't think. Except for those three girls. And he was trying to kill the children. Um, I imagine he killed. Spoiler alert. He did pick up a five-year-old by her face and call her a bitch. Yeah, that was rough. That was a tough one for me. That's a big spoiler because I really wanted to talk about that in depth. Because in my mind, the thing that they get right, the kids are kids and the monsters are monsters. And what I mean by that is they played straight the whole entire time, these monsters. I don't think that girl knew it was going to happen. No, she didn't. That's what they say in the documentary. But spoiler, we'll get to that. In the documentary is that they wanted the monsters to be played just like the universal monsters. Like it's a real monster movie, except you have the comic relief and the kid stuff. And I think they crush that, except for when Dracula calls the little girl a bitch. Not even a Dracula would do that. She's five years old. Yeah. She is kind of a bitch, though. Oh, hey. Back to it. So they've, they've knocked all of these monsties loose. No, I think it's just those two. Right. Just the Frankenstein and the Dracula and the mummies in the museum. And Gilman is just hanging out. He's always there. Pre-existing. They're in the swamps. I don't know where they are. Could be Florida, maybe. I don't know. There's lots of swamps. I just wanted to level set. He gathers them. I'm guessing also then that the Wolfman would be there pre-existing as well. And Dracula uses his dark powers to call him towards them. The night creatures, as it were. All the Wolfman wants to do is die. He wants to get locked up. They should have done it for him. And then they would have known that Wolfman's real. I'd love to get inside this Wolfman. I'm thinking he has it figured out because... He seems panicked, and he says, you have to lock me up. So if he feels this way, if he knows he's a werewolf, and the time of the month when he can transform, there's like, what, four, three or four days, a full moon? So I'm guessing here's what happened. Maybe he turned into a wolf, and Dracula called him, and he got out of his safe space. So now he's loose, and he goes to the police. Oh, my goodness. But we'll get to that. Yeah, new porn title, I want to get inside the wolf man. I want to get inside the wolf man. I love a wolfman. I will say this one, he's uh, modeled on Stan Winston's face. So all of the special effects guys are getting their hands in this pie. I didn't like the wolfman transition. Oh, I thought it was classic. I mean, I like the way he looked. It was just in the middle spot. Instead of showing him change, they kind of like had a wall. Why would you want to see it if it's bad? This is the point I made in Cool World, where they go out of their way in Cool World to show you what they can't do. So if there's something you can't do, you can imply, and that's good enough. Yes, but w when did American Werewolf in London come out? The 70s. I'm not saying it can't be done. Obviously, it could be done. The howling. 
for a lot of money. It's a, it's a lot of money. My point is they're doing it to match those classic Universal movies, and that's how you would show in the original Wolfman movie, the transformation. Counterpoint, I full-heartedly disagree because the Wolfman goes to the police station, freaks out, grabs somebody's gun, and they shoot him and kill him. They think he's dead, but no, because he's a Wolfman. And in the ambulance, he wakes up and he transforms for the first time. There's two different times. The first time, they do a slow pan over the covered body, and it's like rumbling and grumbling, and you see his wolf feet that have busted through his shoes, which. I think very cool. And then the second time when he's outside, they show his back and it does this weird pulsy thing that I actually wrote down and thought was extremely cool how they did that transition. So two schools of thought, mm-hmm. they do not show it directly, but they've got lots of other special effects who they do show transform is Dracula from a bat into a man. And that was super cool. I like that a lot, and that's why I was a little let down. So like you said, everybody's already done the Wolfman, so they don't need to do that one. That's fair. I wanted to see it anyway. The fact that Stan Winston did these special effects was the one thing that had me riveted about this movie. Within like 30 seconds of Dracula escaping this airplane, he's got a dope whip. Oh, yeah. A sick hearse, and it's got like a skull hood ornament and everything. I don't know how he uh, acquired that. I have no idea. He buys a hearse. I would love to see the scene, the in-between scene where he's like going to a dealership and like, do you have a really cool skull hood ornament? There's 13 minutes cut out of this. All he has to do is get them under his thrall. As we see later, I think this is a phantom car. Yeah, that's true. It does pass through the other car. So it's like an extension of his will. Dracula does kill that guy too before we say he didn't kill anybody. Okay. How does he know about cars? Well, I mean, he's existed. He hasn't been sleeping. He's just been around. Oh, he hasn't been sleeping. Yeah, he hasn't been, like, in hibernation. I'm I'm really confused about the actual mythology of this whole movie. Well, okay, him and Van Helsing went to do the final battle. Van Helsing got sucked up instead because they blew it. So then Drac has just been kicking it, but... Okay. Van Helsing's... That's, that's where I was missing, because... His shit has come to America, and... Our mm-hmm. main character, Sean, got the book, but the medallion was hidden at the mansion. But he was in his coffin, though, whenever his stuff was moved. From Transylvania? I'm assuming. Or maybe he was in the box with Frank. Oh. Uh, I apologize to all of the huge Monster Squad fans. They're like, no, you idiot. Like, it's very clear what happens there. No, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is. They say bodies, so they say transporting a bunch of bodies. So I'm guessing his coffin is in there somewhere. It's just not over the trap door that drops the Frankenstein. I think I'm good with that. Do you guys think it was weird that it just said spray painted in there in the stencil Frankenstein? <laughs> I thought that was super weird and that nobody thought that's weird. <laughs> I guess because <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein exists. Universal monsters actually exist in this universe. Universal monsters exist in this universe. So people might not have known about him, because that would have been a long time ago. They have a Frankenstein mask. But that's a mask they made from the actual Frankenstein that exists. The kids do, in the Monster Squad Clubhouse, which is swamp adjacent. Like you can get a Captain Kirk mask. So maybe that's like a history mask, like a kabuki. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Sean's parents and Eugene's parents both say that monsters do not exist. 
the principle. He said you have to study something that exists and monsters don't exist. That might explain why they're flying that World War II plane because the mission is obviously like on the low, low. This is some government biz. Like, we know about this Frankenstein and Dracula. We just got to get this sucker over to Roswell. This is some shady biz. Which lines up with the ending, if the government did know about it. Which is why we should storm Area 51 to see if we can find a Dracula. Okay, you can't be upset about Spoopy if you're going to bring up memes that are that old also. (laughs) You can't hear me, but I'm Naruto running. (laughs) (laughs) Reed's arms are perfectly flat behind his back right now. How do you good? A Rasengan, I believe, is what he says. Is that the character from Friends? I never watched Naruto. Rasengan. No, it's actually, yeah, it's kind of a mashup. It's like... Uh, it's Chandler's friend. Yeah. It's 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 his uh, Kamehameha. He does like a spinning... He spins his key really quickly in his hand, and then he hits you with it, and it's like you're getting kicked a thousand times or some bullshit. I don't know. He's a fox demon or something. You know, anime. Isn't that Inuyasha? Inuyasha's a dog demon. Oh. Big difference. His brother's a wolf. Yeah. So Sean gets a... He acquires Van Helsing's journal. From an estate sale. But it's in German. The parents are in counseling. And this is when the whole werewolf thing happens. The mummy goes missing at a right about this time. Sean's dad has to leave. It's a whole thing. And they we get a reused line from Night of the Creeps. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. Smash cut to... The mummy walking around. I mean, it's a great joke. Decker just loves that smash cut, does he not? It worked in Night of the Creeps. Let's do it again. That's my favorite trope. I love it. Did they say in the documentary about the mummy, like, how did they do that? Because he's, like, really skinny. If it's a real dude in a wrapping or if it's, like, a puppet. I think it's a little bit of both. I think some scenes, like, waist up would be, like, a dude doing stuff. And then I think that the walking scenes... I knew they were doing a lot of uh, cool, like a lot of innovative stuff with uh, cable work puppets and things of that nature. All the effects, I think, look amazing. That mummy looks badass. Here's a great thing. Sean was mad before he had to stay home and babysit his little sister, Phoebe, uh, because his parents had to go to counseling. And he was mad he was going to miss the movie, which was Groundhog Day 12. Not to be confused with Groundhog Day, which came out years later with Bill Murray. Right. They're riffing on Friday the 13th and as a date, and also because he does the same things over and over and over again. This is an axe-murdering Groundhog Day movie. But it's showing at the local drive-in, which is easily viewable, which I thought is the coolest part of the whole movie. Sean can see the drive-in theater from his rooftop. He just uses binoculars and has the radio tuned to the audio. And that is really cool, and I wonder why his dad would give him a hard time he wanted five bucks because I guess he wanted to go into the actual drive-in. I think someone else was going and he was going to go with the friend's family. If you don't have a car, can you do that? At the old ones, you could get in without a car. You would just sit in the lawn in the front. Ah, okay. Well, that's cool. If I was a kid and I could view that thing from my roof, I wouldn't even ask. I would never view it any other way. That's the only way I'd watch movies. <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, granted, the shot they used is like a little close for perspective's sake, but just like being able to go out on your roof and watch them like that, nine times out of 10, it would be a horrible nuisance. But if it's a movie you want to see, it'd be so cool. It's a great device. It's a great shot. I love the concept. 
But this scene also freaked me out because there was a thunderstorm starting and the dad was just okay sitting up there with Sean. I think dad's pretty cool. He's a hard-boiled. He's not really nice to the mom, but the mom's not really nice to him. They got a really bad relationship going. They have a fight, and she says, like, I know what you're thinking, and he says, I'll think about stuff, and you can tell me when I'm thinking correctly. I was like, oh, have I said that one? I think I've said that one. (laughs) That one hits you right (laughs) right at home. I'm certain I've said that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like a little too close from home Shane come on man try to watch a movie about monsters you can't be doing this to me this afternoon you peanut. but you know so there's fighting and, and Sean's a little despondent he sits down and he notices on his mother's to do board divorce dad <laughs> <laughs> with the big check right under divorce dad buy eggs divorce and then it said like call Mr. Alucard from school And I wonder if this was part of a deleted scene because he sits there and does like an anagram. It took him way too long. It's like, oh my God, it's Mr. Dracula. But that is in no way ever addressed ever again. The first thing I would have tried is backwards. He never played Castlevania. They have to quiz Rudy on monster facts to let him into the group. If he's in the monster, they do that in the book. In Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, that's one of the fucking gags. Let's get back to the treehouse, by the way. Rudy stands up for Horace. And he's like piling around with these guys. And he's like, hey, can I join your fucking monster squad? And the whole time I'm like, why is this fucking guy trying to join the monster squad? This is the coolest dude. This dude's too cool for school. And then you cut to them in the treehouse. And my dude's got his binoculars out. And it's a perfect view line into Patrick's older sister's window. Okay, but do you think that's why he wanted into the clubhouse? Or that was just like a side effect? I think he knew. No, I, in my head canon. He brings a camera later. Well, that later. Yeah, because he didn't find out until he was in there. What? This is his plan all along because he does not know that Patrick is her brother. He finds that out almost at the very end of the movie. Well, wouldn't that explain why this clubhouse is, has direct view into his own house? Yeah, because I, I think Patrick and Sean are next door neighbors and that things in the backyard. In my head canon, this dude is dressed really cool as what these little kids think is cool. But I don't think he's a very cool guy. You think he's bullied by his grade and that's why he hangs out with the younger kids? No, everybody dunks on him for sure. I don't think he's blowing it up in his own class. So I think he sees this opportunity to be like big bro type and help these suckers out. And they have a pretty dope pad. I like monster stuff. Why can't I get be a part of this gang? I, in my head, it was a lot more wholesome and it just ended up where he was like, oh, hey, bonus. Was Rudy drinking actual beer or were those root beer bottles? No, nah, I think that was beer for sure. That's on vibe for... Look, my dude makes later in the fucking woodshop. He has the knowledge, wherewithal, and ability to cast and prime fucking bullets. Six-shooter bullets. Now I want you to think about that. Is that something that a cool guy would be able to do? Or the biggest nerd ever? Here's what it is. He's the guy that the people that know him know that this dude is a fucking stone-cold nerd. He's the outsider of outsiders. Yes. He just plays the loner and acts like all aloof, so he doesn't, like, care at all. You're right. The people in his grade... They don't mess with that dude. Or the people that knew him before he started wearing the leather jacket at school every day in in the fucking summer. It seems like an overcorrection. He definitely plays lower status later with the sister character, and they are of an age, and she's like, you're a fucking nerd, so that bears out. But he's just doing it to do a peep. I think he's trying to do a crime. (laughs) It was a blatant, on-purpose crime. I disagree. I think that's generous. 
there's a crime being committed. I'm not disagreeing with that. I do think he would help out of kindness. I don't think he helped to take advantage of this. It would be really elaborate to say, I know these guys have a monster squad. Yeah. I know they have a treehouse that's right next to this girl who I want to see get changed. So I'm going to help out this Horace guy because I know that that's the step in. I think that's way too elaborate, even for a very horny teenager. He knows who she is, for sure. That I won't deny. I think he just was like walking these kids home. I don't know. He was like, oh shit, your girl lives next door. And that's when he decided to join the club. I don't know. I think he got up in that clubhouse and was like, this is pretty cool. Oh, you got binoculars I could see all around. And whoa. Why did they have the binoculars right by that window? Wouldn't you? If you, if you have a treehouse, you got to have binoculars, dude. I guess. Then the monster squad. You got to look for monsters. Dave, you're off base here. The, the monster squad is pure, uh, pure of heart. I think you're both off base. You think it's completely pure, and then a crime happened by accident. And continued to happen on purpose after the by accident. The camera is undeniable, but everybody is guilty. Frankenstein, Dracula, the whole crew, they, they've all done that. Frankenstein did think it was bogus. Anyway, let's do a little bit of plot stuff. We don't have to do a lot. So there is a formal, after the whole Dracula anagram bullshit, and Eugene... <laughs> The the bit with Eugene and the mummy in his closet is actually great. That dad was doing the most. He was like a vaudeville dad. In my head canon, Eugene has blown up his spot. And that's why he's so aloof in this moment. But that whole scene with the Dracula and there's like, look, is there a monster in there? And then there is a monster in there. It's pretty great. There's also Dell's partner, his cop buddy. Oh, my God. I love this man. He's like the most sarcastic dude ever. He is one sassy motherfucker for sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's got a million. He's like, this case is too hard, man. Let's be fireman instead. You want to ask me about the hood ornament? What about the hood ornament? I thought you'd never ask. A silver skull. I consider this an exciting lead. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm thrilled. Put on an APB. I already did. I'm a very good policeman, you know? His catchphrase. I'm a pretty good cop, you know? Yes, yes. They're just thinly veiled go F yourselves. I think that was an I'm too old for this shit. That is the lethal weapon. Okay, you're right. They're just trying to Riggs and Murtaugh inside the monster squad because lethal weapon was written up right at the same time. There's plenty of people in this movie in <laughs> lethal weapon. The mom is, uh, what's his name? Mel Gibson. Famous <laughs> anti-Semite. <laughs> yes. Famous alcoholic anti-Semite. He was acting under a pseudonym in this. Only when he's drunk driving is he an anti-Semite. Otherwise, perfectly normal guy. Stan Shaw, I pulled him up, and his top four on IMDb. His bona fides. His Monster Squad. Cutthroat Island. Daylight. This Sly Stallone tunnel thriller. I've never seen that one. I love this IMDb read-off. Daylight is <laughs> great. It's very spooky because the Squirrel Hill tunnels, oh, sitting in traffic in those, I always think of daylight. It's about what if a tunnel fell down? Rising sun. And the house thereof. With um, Denzel and Sean Connery. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he's great. Nice. Also, Scary German Guy is very great. Scary German Guy serves them some cherry German pie. <laughs> nice. Say that three times fast. <laughs> this is a fun little twist here. This is just like good kids writing. It's like the person they've been scared of. The Boo Radley the nefarious looking character who's just a sweetheart. I like the time is up. For more pie. Yeah, this is like a Simpsons joke. Yeah, it's like the opening of Dexter. While all this is going on, this is where we find out all 
of the baloney. Oh, and scary German guys bitching. Just an almost throwaway scene is the devil's arithmetic tattooed on his hand because they're talking about monsters. And he said, you sure know a lot about monsters. Now that you mention it, I suppose I do. And that like zooms in on his arm with his little tattoos on there. I was like, damn, this is. Yeah. And it was never brought up again. It was super heavy for a moment. Not for this movie, but a great scene. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I felt like the pacing was funny. And he had, he like couldn't speak English that well until toward the end of the scene where it was kind of like they were rushing it to the end of it. I, I felt like it was. He's like a World War II enthusiast because I thought I, I was surprising because they were admiring some of his models. And he said, that's a B-17 flying fortress. And I'm like. Oh, okay. He drives a World War II kind of vehicle a little later. I think this is some cutting room floor shit. Yeah, I think it was pretty noticeable. Like, uh uh-oh, we made him too German and not English enough. And he just like, he didn't know the word like indestructible. Well, sometimes you just don't know some words. I don't know a lot of words in English. (laughs) I guess. They drop some exposition here. So it it is oddly paced. I I agree with you, um, Dave. So it seems like they cut out large portions of some things because they never really talk about why Van Helsing's stuff is in this area or why that the mansion that the Dracula goes to is in this area. So I think that's some of the, the bullshit that got cut out. But they translate the journal and there's like a one in every hundred year convergence event happening this weekend over this talisman of pure goodness. And either if Dracula gets his hands on it, he's going to smash it and then all of the world will be the domain of monsters. Or if you get the spell and have a virgin say the spell. Is it that Dracula can't even touch that amulet until that right time? None of the monsters can. It also wards them off. But he can't even get hold of it. Okay. That's a big thing I was really confused about. It's indestructible until that right time. Dracula found that thing pretty early in the movie. Why didn't he get it? Well, he knew it was on 666 Shadow Brook Road, which I really liked. I don't know if this caught you guys as well, but that mansion, it looks a lot like the Return of Swamp Thing mansion. For sure. It looks like an arcane mansion. Oh, yeah, it kind of does. I mean, it's pretty close. I don't know. It's the same style. That's the arcane mansion for sure. After they meet with the scary German guy, the gang heads back to the clubhouse where... Phoebe has made a new friend, and this is where it's Frankenstein. They kind of do a recreation of uh, a scene from the 30s Frankenstein, where Frankenstein meets a girl, although that scene ends a little bit differently than this. And this one, they become fast friends. That's when she calls the other kids chicken shits. And we find out that Frankenstein's pretty self-conscious. He's like, is that what I really look like? Yeah, they, he sees a mask of his own face, and he's upset that he would be scary. So while we're on the subject of Frankenstein, I have to bring up the fact that when Dracula was gathering his gang, they went down to the swamp. He's got a wolfman in thrall, and he has his, like, scepter, and he, like, does all this stuff, and he summons up Gilman, and he... <laughs> he's got the mummy by his side. Gilman throws Frankenstein up on the bank, and his oh, I'm old friend, they crack the case. Dracula, in the storm, like you said, during the drive-in, he opens up his staff, and my dude's got fucking jumper cables. With copper wiring. He connects to Frankenstein and holds him up in the air, 
And that's what brings Frankenstein back to life. But when he pulled out these jumper cables, I was screaming. Easily the funniest part of the movie, and it shouldn't be. Was he willing those jumper cables into existence if he can will a vehicle into existence? No, I disagree. Could he not just get Frankenstein started with the car? Ah, uh, there we go. He's showing his backward way of thinking, thinking he needs to wait for lightning to strike. He could have stole a defibrillator. They could have been on the road a long time ago. So now Frank's on the good guys. Frankenstein's cool. They take him up to the clubhouse. There's a moment where Rudy asks, how did the dog get up here? That's a really good joke, too. There's some like solid jokes in this movie. Shane Black's a funny guy, but the kids give some solid deliveries on these lines. I don't think there was any actor in this movie that did a bad job. Even the five-year-old, she did a great job. Dracula finds the amulet, and the kids do a little monster squad montage. This is where Rudy makes steaks, silver bullets, one kid makes business cards. And Eugene writes a letter to army guys and says, there's monsters, please crumb. Also, when Rudy does uh, a sex crime and gets those pictures developed. Frankenstein helps do the sex crime. He takes the picture and goes, bogus. Yes, but he is a Frankenstein. He got tricked by a five-year-old, so I mean, he's easily manipulated. That song during this montage is the greatest. Is it rock until you drop? Dance until your brains fall out. I wasn't prepared for that, Dave. (laughs) There's some good songs in this one. Drac makes some vampire ladies. Wolfman breaks himself out of the Dracula mansion. He tries to warn the cops. He warns them to 666 Shadowbrook Road. Also tells Sean's dad that Dracula is coming to kill his kids. Gilman gets to eat a Twinkie. Creature stole my Twinkie. Yet again, another swamp thing. Twinkies in the swamp. And then someone over the radio says, Good luck, but love. Which I thought was really funny. Yep. It's straddling that line, isn't it? It's borderline. Well, way over the line is your boy Rudy, because he blackmails Patrick's sister. He uses illicit revenge porn to extort an underage girl, and this is one of the good guys. But he's also underage. He wouldn't be tried as an adult. I'm calling her Patrick's sister. This is not a derogatory thing. Lisa Fuller played her, but that's just what she's called in the movie. But at least Rudy has the tact necessary to get the information from Patrick's sister because he asks her if she's ever been dorked. (laughs) He's trying to determine if she's a virgin. This is handled with, you know, skill and aplomb on all levels. Yikes. It is like down to like a six-year-old and a weirdo greaser in the 80s. So what are you going to do? In the basement... Dracula's setting up some motherfucking dynamite. Hell yeah. He has so much of it. He can do anything. (laughs) Where did he get this dynamite? Can you imagine this dude just like rolling into like a construction site and just absconding with, I guess, I don't know, where else can you get dynamite? Yeah, this Dracula is wild. He's so hands-on. Normally Renfield is involved in this kind of stuff. He's handling like the heavy lifting, but no, this Dracula is just, he does it all. I think Renfield is more of a power thing. I don't think you ever needed a Renfield. And Renfield's just your daytime guy, though, you know? Renfield might have been holding him back, you know what I mean? This Dracula is uh, seemingly unaffected by sunlight. Only in bat form. A lot of people are seemingly unaffected by the things that they should be affected by. So is it full moon that makes Wolfman Wolfman? Or just the moon? Because a full moon doesn't happen like twice in a week. It does. It's like three or four days. But no, it doesn't seem like he turned back into a dude during the day, is what I'm saying. Well, he was tied up by Dracula, and he tried to drug him. He gave him enough tranquilizers to kill a regular person, but it wouldn't kill, like, a wolfman. I feel like they play fast and loose with his transformations. 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer did the three-day transformations. As we'll see later, this Wolfman is pretty invincible. I also think that his power is being manipulated by Dracula's own spooky magic. That could be. If you told me the power of the full moon was in that scepter as well, I would say, yeah, okay, I guess. He's summoning zombies and shit. I mean, I think he's really just getting an Egyptian one for flair at this point. But, you know, Rudy, Sean, and Horace come up with a plan. They're going to go steal the amulet from Dracula. So just as Dracula is blowing this dynamite up, they're breaking in. They were talking like they said, well, we have a Frankenstein, so we don't need to be afraid. That dynamite goes and knocks him the F out. And this is where the famous scene happens. They're cornered by the Wolfman. They kick him in the business. Horace says, Wolfman doesn't have nards. And he says, he's got nards. Kick him in the nards. And Wolfman's got nards. He does, in fact. It's a good strat. And then they kind of scream and run away. They're cornered by the vampire ladies, the Wolfman, and the Dracula. And a pretty effective little scene here. I like that when... Dracula was walking down the hallway. The lights were like flickering on because he's just his aura of power. I thought that was a pretty cool little detail. And they did like a whole minute of screaming and turning. I loved it. They find one of the secret compartments that leads down into the crypt and they fall through the floor right to where the dynamite went off. Sean grabs that thing. So I think Sean removes it from that chamber. And I, now I think Dracula is like, okay, now I can get it because it's out of that chamber. Uh, and Horace, of course, having pizza on him, the overweight kid in the 80s. He didn't know how long they were going to be away. He could have packed a lunch. Could have been an hour. Dracula grabs him up immediately. But yes, Horace unwraps his tinfoil pizza slice. Maybe he brought it. Maybe it was not simply happenstance. Maybe he had it because... He knows there's garlic on it. Like Sean realizes, duh, garlic. It burns some good. That effect looks really good. I think it might be lactose intolerant too. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying he had the shits after he got his face burned? You learn that his skin is definitely <laughs> permeable. So it's possible. It definitely worked. It affected him real good. After that, they're fucking with steaks and stuff. If it did that much damage, garlic you can get is nice and easy. Why wouldn't you just like... Just rub all your stuff in garlic. That's what I'm saying. It, it it burned his fucking skin off. It was gnarly. You can get a jar of that stuff for $3 and put that shit in a super soaker, baby. You're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> a little olive oil. Bam! <laughs> Out of here. So they managed to escape with the amulet. And at the outskirts of the mansion, they are met by Frankenstein, Phoebe, and she says, I brought this scary German guy. Why not? So the monster squad is now finally complete. We got everybody in the fucking whip. Uh, I think Frank is still MIA at this point, actually. He has the deus ex mock in a moment, just at the very end now. Patrick's sister, scary German guy, Phoebe and the kids. And a World War II Jeep, which was so cool looking. Yeah, that's a cool looking whip. Oh, yeah, so there's like we have the interaction with the mummy. They tie uh, one of his bandages to an arrow and shoot it, and it unravels him, which is a pretty cool special effect, too, watching him. The look on the face was awesome. And then Rudy says, See you later, band-aid breath. And then no one laughs, because it was a dumb line. It's not very impressive, though, when you think about it, that that rap was the only thing keeping him together. Well, I mean, it wouldn't work. Even so, with a car, it would probably just pull that arrow out of that tree, and it's probably not... He got it deep into that tree, man. It's a broad head. I don't know how that works on wood, but it might it might have done. It was stupid. (laughs) 
Sean's dad and the other cop pull up at the house, and this is where Dracula, my dude. <laughs> He's very scary, Dracula. <laughs> this guy is a stoke killer. He takes a stick of dynamite and fucking chucks it through the clubhouse window, blows up the clubhouse. Meeting adjourned. Then he stomps to the house, scares the mom a little bit, and then goes out front, and dad rolls up, little to no hesitation, shoots him, doesn't work, Dracula throws dynamite and blows up the partner. I literally took the note, this second cop is great, oh shit, he's dead. So yeah, there are some deaths in this. Yeah. That was a very fun scene. When he he blows up in that car, I never occurred to me that that was about to happen. He pulled out that second stick of dynamite. I'm like, oh my God, Drax loves dynamite. Yeah, he's a demolition expert. He found out about dynamite and he was like, I love this fucking shit. Okay, so they face off. Eventually, Dracula flies away. The gang is headed towards a church because monsters hate church. But when they get there, the doors are locked. And Rudy here gets a cool little redemption scene here where he faces off against the vampire ladies. He does pretty good here. He, he narks them pretty quick. I don't think they thought that wooden stakes would be able to kill them the way that they were approaching. Because bullets don't do shit, but these wooden stakes get them real good. They, they, they stick a stick of dynamite down Wolfman's pants and kick him out the window. That was my biggest laugh. Yeah, that explosion was brutal. And at the moment, I thought pretty sad because he's one of the more endearing characters. He can't control himself. He didn't need to die. And then... Okay, no worries. All of his body parts get pulled together, which was alluded to earlier whenever Rudy was trying to enter the monster squad. We find out there's only one way to kill a wolfman. There's no other way. We find out there's only one way to kill a wolfman. There's no other way. We have a final showdown scene where they've got Patrick's sister, and she is getting yelled at by... Scary German guy. Scary German guy. The incantation over the Gemerald. Rudy takes down the, the three ladies. Sean's dad blasts <laughs> Dracula as he's flying into the scene, and Dracula smashes into a sporting goods store. That's when, you know, the fight happens and the Dracula, uh, Wolfman gets blown up. Wolfman pulls himself together out of bits and pieces, which I didn't know that was a Wolfman power, but I love it. I keep saying the effects in this movie are great, but they, they really are. The crawling bits of Wolfman getting together it is awesome. Gilman makes an appearance, and uh, Horace gets hero moment here. Just regular bullets are enough for Gilman, my poor dude. The cops that come onto the scene to attack these monsters are equal measures brave and stupid. They keep like running after these super powered monsters with no obviously, yeah, no proof that they're able to even stop them. No matter what, like this one falls down. Okay, they're chasing after this other one that invariably kicks their ass. And then these children get to pick up their guns and use them, which I love that. Those kids just pick up cop guns. The cops blast Wolfman, and it's to zero effect. So they're like, well, fuck, I guess you just can't shoot monsters. So they, they never try again. They go at them with their bodies and batons only. But as you said, Gilman is no match for bullets because Horace blasts his ass, and uh, he gets that. The bullies come out of the store where they were cowering, and they say, like, Back it. Good job. And he's like, My name! And he like cocks his shotgun again. I'm like, damn, that's cool. So that's what I meant by saying like, you know, he's able to throw that his bullied self away at that moment because he'd become a hero in front of the people that 
think least of him. So that was an, an empowering thing that couldn't happen if they weren't calling him Fat Kid all movie. It was so cool. And the only reason why I think they would have his friends call him that too is because the bullies don't have enough screen time for you to even remember that that's what they called him. For it to stick. He went from Fat Kid to Horse. They realized that Patrick's sister is not a virgin. She gets a great line reading. She was like, Well, Steve, but he doesn't count! I thought that was really great. Doesn't count! Um, But she's a great sport, honestly. Yeah, she took it well, I guess. Phoebe has to read. And Eugene says, Is she a virgin? So they determine, right, that Phoebe is, in fact, a virgin because she's five years old. I mean, they're all virgins. Does it have to be a girl? Did they say that? Maybe that's the whole thing. It almost has to be, or else why? You're Because you're right. First one was a girl, but yeah, I guess it has to be because it has to be a plot device. Phoebe's starting to read off this stuff, and it's working pretty well until Dracula gets a hold of her. And there's a that cool scene we had already talked about at length earlier <laughs> where Dracula picks her up by her, like, by her cheeks. And just, like, screams in her face. Give me the amulet, you bitch. The cool thing in the documentary, they say, like, yeah, she hadn't... uh, The director, Decker, told her, like, hey, you're going to need to scream for this scene. And she said, well, you know, me being even just a young actress, I knew to ask, like, okay, well, when would you like me to scream? Like, what's my cue or whatever? And he was like, you'll know. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) And... Uh, and they said that it was it was so real, though, that that her first take they couldn't even use because the scream was like really quick. And then it like took all of the air out of her, whereas a really good realistic scream, it wasn't gonna, it didn't play well on the screen. I wish it had kept that. She had never seen him in the red contacts or with his uh, like vampire teeth in. So the whole thing was. And then Frankenstein's monster comes in. Oh, man. Frank really gives him one. Drac gets uppercutted. They finish the spell. The portal opens, everybody's getting sucked in. Drax's not going alone, that's for sure. He grabs Sean with a quick uh, stab and a little help from old Helsing himself. Drax goes in, and then a really sad moment when Frankenstein got sucked in, but Phoebe threw her little stuffed animal. Personal anecdote from this. We used to watch this a lot as kids. My first watch, I'd be like five years old or whatever, maybe. So I wasn't really grasping it, and I probably shouldn't have been watching it. But me and Dave's other brother nick he's never fully recovered from this movie because whenever frankenstein gets sucked into the vortex that was devastating he was devastated <laughs> it was days oh, that makes so much it was sense, days of just... this guy i was maybe like nine and nick would have been like seven and it destroyed him and i brought it up to him like a couple days ago i was like we're doing monster squad and uh i was like so you remember when the frankenstein got sucked to the vortex and he was like don't remind me <laughs> essentially yeah because it is bad but i i had to tell him i was like we were kids when we watched it i don't think frankenstein dies there he just gets sucked into whatever other world and he's yeah to limbo which is fine for a frankenstein and he's got the little doll to remind him of phoebe not to say he's stuck there forever i'm sure if they wanted to do another monster squad there'd be enough of a creatable macguffin to get him back out uh, they tried to do a remake but plans never got up off the ground and that's pretty much it could they do a remake of this movie though and make it actually good no they should not do that no absolutely not how did van helsing know about thumbs up that wasn't a thing a hundred years ago as far as you know van helsing created thumbs up dave all right uh, that <laughs> i will allow <laughs> The thumbs up into the background. 
You know what really sucks? I really thought that peasant girl was coming back. I thought that for sure, like at the very end, the portal was going to open again and Helsing was going to grab the monster and that girl would be like just standing there and she'd be like, if they remade it, she would. And that'd have been cool. And then her and Rudy walk off into the moonlight talking about whatever nerdy stuff that he loves, because obviously he loves nerdy stuff like medieval weaponry. (laughs) We've already written the sequel. She lives with the German guy and the German guy teaches her English. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But no, she's stuck in limbo. It's not quite over. Eugene's letter worked. I was just going to say, I love this for the army, that they did get Eugene's letter, (laughs) and they show up with all of the trappings. Where are the monsters at? (laughs) Where's Eugene? He wrote us this crayon letter, and we came came running. But, okay, this ties everything together, because I said before that for these monsters to exist in this world, Mm -hmm. the military has to know that they exist because they're getting flown on this bomber. And why else? Because they know, and they know for a fact they're missing some monsters because they had some like four days ago. So that's why they would like see this and say, oh, crap, this could be real, even though it's a silly crayon letter. We need to go investigate and try to get our Dracula's back. When they released it on TV, they added uh, a bunch of the deleted scenes back in. So there's there's a couple of different versions of this floating around there. In two weeks, we'll have our first mini again. So maybe we'll talk about those deleted scenes then. All right. That is something to think about. So yeah, that pretty much wraps up the plot of Monster Squad. And infinitely better than the Rock Until You Drop song is the Monster Squad song created for the credits my god it's so good no this song there's a couple of different songs on the ending of this as well but this particular version that on the i watched on amazon prime is wow baby you could have just listened to the song you wouldn't have had to watch the movie it summarized the whole thing it's awful that's what i love about it that's what theme songs used to be bad <laughs> and should still be and oftentimes are actually they gave this guy like a bunch of things that happened in the movie, some plot points and a list of words. These are the beats, make it into a song, and it's pretty groovy. It's so bad. There's a reason they don't do it anymore. It's good. They still do it. It's good. They still do it. You're probably listening to it. Nerdbot's rolling it right now as we speak. For sure. Over top of this diatribe with Dave's laying at her feet of nonsense, of lies, of deceit. It's a great song. (laughs) It's absolute trash. There's a reason they stopped doing this in the 90s. They stopped it. They did not stop doing this. This is still happening. (laughs) This is great. No, this is perfect. This is perfect. This could save Hollywood. Name four movies this has happened for. Adam's Family, the newer Adam's Family, guaranteed to end with this type of a thing. I'm telling you, there's a, there's so much expository music making still happening. No, it's, it's completely unnecessary, and they stopped it for a reason. I love this. It's still being done, and you're wrong. It's garbage. No, this is perfect and beautiful, and I... I... And now we've, we've gotten past the chorus, and we can go back to our next segment. This is, we're going to be very quiet over top of the song and let the fans decide. This is why it's a cult classic. Uh, okay, so the fans um, did decided at the box office that they did not want this fucking movie at all. They didn't like this one one bit. It opened a week after Lost Boys, and it, was, it opened at PG-13. 
So the market for this movie has got to be like 11-year-olds, right? And if you can't even go into the movie, it's going to mess up your metrics some. And Lost Boys is going to take all of the actual PG-13 folks that really want to see the hardcore movie. Yeah. They're going to go see Lost Boys. It's tough placement. Well, about a $12 million budget estimated. The opening weekend, they got um, about $2 million. And then they didn't get much more than that. The gross worldwide was 3.8. But it did get some work done on VHS and developed a cult following. Now it's, you know, people regard it as something of a classic. This was not a, one that I grew up with. I, I This is probably the first time I've ever seen it full. I mean, I know that this is Wolfman's got Nards. I knew the concept and it seemed it on TV a couple of times maybe, but not in my recent days. So this was a basically a fresh watch for me. We grew up with this one. This was on all the time. I would argue that this is my first watch of understanding because I didn't really quite get it then. I just knew there were monsters and there was some battle scenes and they were kind of cool. It didn't even occur to me that Frankenstein being sucked into a vortex could be sad whenever I watched it because I remember thinking like, oh, that's really bumming Nick out. (laughs) When my wife and I were dating before we got married, I made her watch this movie. I've watched this movie ever since I was a kid. I never stopped watching it. After watching it this last time, though, it did make me go out and buy that horrified board game with the uh, oh. with the little monsters in town, the movie monsters in town. It's a cooperative board game. Ah, oh, that's cool. Love a board game. All right. Well, who did you guys love and who did you hate? It's time for our favorite segment. Who's your hero? Who's your villain? My hero is Horace. I feel like he has the best arc I feel like he starts out as kind of like a, even at the very beginning though, when he's getting bullied, like he was not afraid to like give back as good as he got, but he just didn't have the power to beat the bullies. He had the snark and uh, he saved the day on multiple occasions where he's, you know, thinking fast about his garlic pizza with the Dracula and uh, where he's got the big old shotgun for Gilman, who turned out to be just no match for those big old bullets. Yeah, just I'm good. My hero is uh, the Wolfman. I like I that. Mean, he Wolf may have man done some, the man. some terrible things, but as yeah. a person... Yeah, that's who I was going for. Wolfman the man, yes. Who knows what he did to get that curse? But without being armed with that knowledge, I agree. Who knows? He had the wherewithal to not swallow those pills that a freaking Dracula put in his mouth. He, by all rights, should have been under the thrall. But I guess as a, a bestial wolf boy, maybe he had a little bit more power to draw from there. Maybe it was a teen wolf thing. Maybe his parents were werewolves too. This is the sequel to Teen Wolf. Regardless, he did try. He warned them. He said, look, lock me up. This will prove the monsters are real. He was trying from the very beginning to stop the Dracula. I do disagree with his method of doing that. I think punching a cop is a good way to get locked up. No, I feel like punching a cop is a good way to get shot and then have them think you're dead. I feel like a good way to get caught is to, like, steal a bunch of stuff. He was on a time crunch, certainly. I think that was why he was acting maybe so frantically. And, I mean, those police weren't finding shit until he said 666 Shadowbrook Road. Yeah, but maybe he knew the Dracula was coming in his heart of hearts, and he was like, okay, if I can get out in front of this thing, maybe we can just nip it in the bud. But I only have, like, one hour before the full moon. Like, holy sh- like, how could this be that I'm finding out right now? I'll give you the credit that he tried, and by the end, his death was, like, deserved, but he really wanted it. So it was kind of, like, nice in that way. He even thanked um, Rudy for killing him. I mean, he was obviously tortured by his wolf madness. 
my hero, I'm going to go with scary German guy. This guy was down. He was ready. They're like talking about like monsters and shit. And he was like, all right, man, let's do it. He was pretty unflappable. He was crucial in the whole endeavor. He was nice to these these weird kids. You know what I mean? They were kind of shitting on him. And like right off the bat, he was kind of like fucking with them. So he's like kind of on their level. I don't know. Scary German guy. He's a, he's a hero. I agree. And my other 50-50 one would be the army. Except that I'm only 50-50 because I think they lost the Dracula in the first place. But they did try to reclaim him by bringing a full-on like armed militia into town. And they were only like minutes late from the big battle. So imagine how much it would take to get that that amount of equipment into this town. My villain is the promotional team that the has to be the only reason why this movie failed because I believe it to be a solid flick. If you watch the documentary, it's in the credits scene, but the lead actor is the one in the documentary the whole time and someone's showing them promotional material from Monster Squad that they never seen. And some of the promotional material was these wanted posters for dracula in the mummy and it would have like really bad puns so under like dracula he's like wanted for biting and assault and battery uh stuff like that and then the mummy was wanted for statutory rap Ooh, that's the worst thing i've ever heard oh no in a kid's movie in a kid's movie they're the real villains Maybe just ineptitude, but they were, they certainly kept this from a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I love it. Come up with a good mummy pun. And I can't say I wouldn't come up with the same thing, but I'd like to think that I'd have the presence of mind not to actually use it. My villain is the 80s. A lot of this stuff that they uh, move with, like the, like I said, the, the revenge porn of a nameless woman who lives next door, that's not happening in movies now. Not by the good guys, anyway. There's a lot about this movie that it just doesn't age right. I don't know. Whereas I agree with you, because I, if I didn't agree with you, I would be like really strange. But <laughs> it's a little bit more understandable because it is from the perspective of actual children. True. They don't realize that this is wrong yet. Oh, definitely. Given the timing of it all, I mean, I do believe that that's what 80s kids were saying and were doing. And it was definitely pervasive in the media at the time. So I, I agree with you. That's why the 80s are my villain, because it should not have been. I think because it's it, it just seems like it had more of a childlike nature to it that made it somehow less incredibly disgusting. Nothing sinister about it. Right. Yeah, it was still like they were pure-ish. It's just things they've heard. My villain. Uh, Gilman, he, he was going to be mine. I, I really love the character design. He's like my alternate hero because the Gilman himself looks very cool. I think they did him dirty. They didn't know what to do with him. Uh, so he just got shot. But I will say instead that um, Dracula, the moment when he's walking towards Phoebe and scary German guy and just bodying all of the cops that are throwing themselves at him one at a time. I think that's a cool moment because he never takes his eyes off of them. He like barely doesn't blink doing all this choreography and stuff. And I thought that was a really great moment. Slightly spoiled when he did. He did pick up that child and 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 do a cuss at her it does something to the uh dracula myth for me (laughs) he's a soulless monster and i kind of feel like it it fits the character but it was still hard to see in my mind dracula is charming you know and that's like the least charming thing not when he's mad i get it but phoebe's cute as a butt and you don't you don't want to see that (laughs) 
and it's a scary Dracula because he is he is like truly despicable and he's just violent and strangely very strong and strangely resourceful. So it's a good villain. It's, a, it's certainly a good villain. He's got cool machinations, very spooky. And he's a demolition expert. I don't know how people that need dynamite can get dynamite, let alone people that shouldn't have it. <laughs> uh, maybe he brought it with him from Transylvania. I don't know. So that is Monster Squad. We just have one final question. Is this movie spooky or spoopy? Maybe I'll go first because I think I might be the dissenting opinion here. The effects are cool. I thought it was like an okay flick, but I don't really love it. I probably would never watch it again. It's fine. This falls in the same category for something like Goonies, where I it didn't hit me at the right time. So it's just like... Oh, yeah, okay. I I see why people like this. If you didn't grow up quoting it and things like that or watching it all the time, it's a solid movie. And if you haven't seen it, you should absolutely watch it. It's definitely worth a watch because you may absolutely love it. It's just a little bit of a miss for me. Something of a callback to The Gate, you had mentioned that that was great training wheels for horror. I think this movie is infinitely better training wheels and training wheels that you could probably watch at a younger age and sort of get you interested in the universal monsters, which are really cool. I think I disagree. I think this is not at all scary. I think this is a great movie, and I love it. But it just has the monsters. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying I think it's scary. Even as a training wheels, I think the gate is better for that. Because there's actual, like, visceral horror. You don't think that the Dracula being, like, half bat, half man, like, singed on the ground is horrifying? Oh, I forgot about that. That was a cool shot. That was pretty cool. You don't think the wolf man pulling all his body, blowing up and having his body parts pulled back? I'm not saying it's not cool. You don't think Gill Man is freaky looking? I mean, there's... I just don't think it's scary at all. I wasn't saying it was scary, but I think that it is a great precursor to watching scary movies. And that is echoed by probably 20 people that made the documentary that was like, you know, this is what made me realize that like... Okay, cool. Monsters are cool. Halloween is cool. And, you know, I'm I'm into this kind of thing. I mean, obviously, it's a documentary, so they're not going to show the people that are like, yeah, I saw one as a kid. I think it's a piece of crap. <laughs> why, why would you put that in there? But but the I mean, obviously, the vibe is that it's it's achieved this cult status and sells out these viewings. It's certainly a great summation of all those different archetypes. You know, you get all of Frankenstein, you get basically all of Dracula. He makes vampire brides. If the gate is training wheels to like actual horror, this is training wheels to like m- to monster movies. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm with you there. And I think like this and Ghostbusters isn't really scary, but are there a couple scenes that you're like, "Oh, that's pretty, you know, that's scary-looking ghost." Um, but more funny than scary. There are some truly like kind of horror movie moments and, and the effects are good enough that, yeah, they, they'll, they'll give you a solid fright. The iconography is there. This is a good shorthand for all those kind of things. Like the gate, it creates a universe with rules and the rules are the things that you're trying to, that you're figuring out like, oh, Wolfman, Silver Bullet, Dracula, uh, Stake in the Heart, Sun, Garlic. Yeah, I, I agree there. Overall, I think if you've never seen it, definitely check it out, especially while it's kind of on the streaming services. Is this a hit for you? Is this something that um, you're interested in or you've shown to your kids? Let us know. So this has been 
the Monster Squad. This was Monster Squad. Next up, Halloween Kills. I'm so excited to see this movie. Halloween Kills on Halloween itself. Woo! Yeah, yeah, I've been looking forward to it. I think I'm going to watch um, the other one in the lead up. So I'll have a fresh take on the the previous film. That is wild. I've never even seen this, so I'm going to have to watch this too. It's the 11th installment in the Halloween film series and a direct sequel to the 1978 movie. So the... So the order of movies is Halloween, Halloween, and Halloween Kills. <laughs> There's three fucking different movies that are called Halloween. So I'm interested to see what the fuck that is. <laughs> All right. Well, join us for that. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. If you want us to talk about any of those movies... In the, uh, any of the 11 Halloween movies, you can jumpstart that. You don't have to wait for us to just get to them. You can jumpstart that by j- subscribing at the $5 level uh, and becoming a recurring uh, nerdy. <laughs> you can have a bonus episode made in your honor. Uh, head on over to nerdaplexy.com to check that out. If you'd like to interact with us, you can email us at nerdaplexy at gmail.com or reach out and talk to Dave over at nerdaplexypod on Twitter. Dave, where can um, they interact with you in your in your home domain the, uh, Twitter? <laughs> I don't know. My, my home domain Twitter, as we all say, is at uh, the face of Dave. You can hit me up there at my home domain his home sphere he's like lawnmower man he lives inside twitter sam's at pgh underscore svh i am at pgh underscore read reach out and let us know uh what you think about these movies and our whole spoopy or spooky spectacular awoo join us next time for halloween kills and until next time We'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. What do you think the Wolfman's dork looks like? I'm sure Shane Black has an answer for that. I'm sure he does.